This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Well, the countdown is on for Christmas, isn't it? So all of our shows this week feature some element having to do with this time of year. And at the half hour, we'll hear how George Burns makes out trying not to play Santa with <laughs> Gracie Allen, insistent that he dons the jolly fat man's suit. But we begin with Boston Blackie in a show that was first aired in 1948. Writer Jack Boyle grew up in Chicago, Illinois. While working as a newspaper reporter in San Francisco, he became an opium addict and was drawn into crime, and he was jailed for writing bad checks. Later, convicted of robbery, Boyle was serving a term at San Quentin when he created the character of Boston Blackie. Now, here's the episode entitled Rings for Santa. Faraday, just because we're going out to have Christmas dinner together. Don't forget, you're driving an automobile, not a sleigh. Now, Blackie, okay. don't tell me you object to Inspector Faraday's being full of Christmas spirit on Christmas no. Eve. No, Mary, I just object to his voice. <laughs> Very amusing. Blackie, I know now what I should have given you for Christmas. A sense of humor. If I didn't already have one, how could I tolerate you? Well, somebody should give you both a book of instructions on how to get along. Yeah, especially he. Him. <laughs> you know we're only kidding, Mary. We are. Stop that man. Stop that man. What? Hey, did you hear that, Blackie? Stop it. Oh, not trouble on Christmas Eve. Shopkeeper chasing a man up the street. Step on him, Faraday. We can catch him. Don't tell me what to do. Pull up to the curb now, Inspector, and I can grab him. Now, take it easy. Take it easy. Okay, we just passed him. Wait, wait. Don't jump till I've slowed down a little. Well, hurry up, or he'll pass us. Now, Blackie, be careful. You mean, Blackie, be quick. Well, no, look out. Here goes. All right, you. (laughs) You hold it right here now. Let go of me, Matt. Let go of me. Sure, as soon as the shopkeeper, you just rob gets here. And here he comes. Hold on to him. Hold on to him. He took four diamond rings out of my store. Now, give me those rings. Give them to me. I don't have no rings of yours, Mac. Oh, yes, you do. Right in your pocket here. I've watched you since you ran out of the store. You couldn't have given them to anybody. I'll hold them while you say Yeah, look. Okay. I... Yeah. I did not hear. No, because I didn't take nothing, see? Well, where are my rings? I want those rings. So go find them. Only I got news for you. You ain't gonna find them on me.
But now on to Dick Calmer as Boston Blackie. Enemy to those who make him an enemy. Friend to those who have no friend. He took the rings out of the tray on the counter here, Inspector Faraday. You said that. Yes, but he did. He took the rings and ran out that door. Oh, sorry, Mr. Stacy. Unless I find the stolen rings on this guy here... What can I do about it? Nothing, Faraday. Absolutely nothing. Well, Quiet, you. Look, Blackie, you and this copper pal of yours searched me twice. Out on the street and here in the store. The rings ain't on me. But they are. You took them. I saw you. If I took a Mac, where are they now? I have a pretty good idea. I hope it's better than pretty good, Blackie, because this guy's made four rings do a pretty good disappearing act. And I know how, too. Yeah. He threw them away when he saw he was being chased. That's a lie. Yes. Yes, he could have done that. He could have. I'd like to bet he didn't. Oh, go ahead, bet. Only let me alone. It's Christmas Eve. I got some place to go. I'll say you have. To headquarters, where I'm going to hold you until I find out who you are. And if you want it for anything else. The only thing I want it for is Christmas Eve dinner Hey, Blackie. Yeah? You're supposed to be such a genius. What happened? Friend, before I'm through with you, for your Christmas dinner, I'm going to make you eat those words. All visitors back behind the ropes, please. The passengers are coming down the gangplank now. Hey, God. God. Yes, what is it? Uh, my name's Clark. I'm here to pick up a guy who don't speak English. Say not a word of it. Will you help me find him? You know what he looks like? Yeah, yeah, he's a big guy, about 6'6", six, six, maybe 250 pounds. His name's Zabby. Well, there's a big guy coming down the gangplank now with a sign on him. Maybe that's the guy. Oh, yeah, he looks like the guy I want. Hey, Abby! Abby! Yeah, he's coming over, so I guess he understands his name, even if he doesn't understand English. Yeah, I guess so. Thanks. No trouble at all. All visitors behind the ropes, please. He took you for a ride. Sanya Abbey. Bono Grino. Redsome Clark. Redsome Clark. Braga. Sitaba Abbey. Big jerk. Braga. Redsome Clark. All right, all right, all right. You don't know what I'm talking about, Abbey, because you don't know a word of English. But you use a gun good. Pretty good, they tell me. And if you do, we'll be speaking the same language, all right. Where are those rings, Martin? Where are they? Listen, Clark, I told you I don't have You're them. You're lying. I know you took them out of the store because I saw you run out of the place and beat it up the street. Well, if you'd hung around, you'd have seen me nabbed and hauled off the police headquarters. If you were caught by the police, you'd still be in jail. Not me. I ain't got no record, remember? Blackie and that cop Faraday took me down there, checked on me, and let me go. All right, you ran into trouble, but you got out of it. Now, where are those rings? I ain't got them. You em. took them out of the store, so why haven't you got them? Calm down and give me a chance to tell you. I'll give you just ten seconds to hand over those rings. Ah. I spotted a jewelry store and cased it for you, and I don't try to cross it. Hey, now, look, don't get tough, or maybe I'll just leave the rings lay right where they are. Oh, you will. <laughs> yeah, I will. Hey, let go of me. Sure. After I've taught you a little lesson. Huh? Hey, Abby, I've told him. Hey, who's that monster? He's a character wanted for murder in Europe. A friend of mine sent him to me for Christmas. Friend, huh? He don't understand no English, but he's tough. I'm going to prove that to you. Yeah? Abby. There's Bruno. Abby, lead a lock. Hey. Hey, call this guy off. Call him off, I'll tell you. Call him off. Almost broke my jaw, Clark. Abby. Struf Gondolak. Yes, Dragon. 
You lay off now, Martin. That is, unless you still have the idea you're not telling me what you did with those rings. Sure, I'll tell you. When the jeweler was chasing me, I'd see a Santa Claus up the street ringing his bell and collecting stuff. So? So when I passed him just before Blackie grabbed me, I threw the rings in a big iron pot the Santa Claus had. Nobody saw me, and I know how to get them back. You better. No, I thought for a minute there that you was going to be the only guy in history who gave Santa Claus a present. Blackie, what's yeah. the matter with you and Inspector Faraday? Everybody else in this restaurant is having fun, but look at you two. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. Mary. I don't like what that guy Joe Martin did to us this evening. And I don't like the fact that we had nothing on him in the file at headquarters. No, eat your dinner, both of you. All right. This is Christmas Eve, and we're supposed to be having a party. When we let Martin go, my appetite went with him. Well, Blackie, what did he do with those rings? Who knows? He took them according to the jeweler, but he got rid of them somehow without being seen. Apparently, he didn't throw them away because we searched the street. Nope. When you two see Santa Claus telling that what you want for Christmas is an explanation of how Martin got rid of those rings. Hey, wait a minute, Mary. That's not a bad thought. Hmm? No. I know how those rings were hidden and why they haven't been found. Oh, now, wait a minute, Blackie. What's Santa Claus got to do with that? Martin gave the rings to Santa Claus. What? Blackie, haven't you heard? There ain't no Santa Claus. Mm, there was one ringing a little bell on the corner near the jewelry store. Yes, and Martin passed him just a few seconds before I caught up with him. Yeah, mm-hmm. but how would Martin give those rings to Santa Claus without Santa Claus knowing it? By tossing them in his collection bucket, Faraday. Come on, we're getting out of here. Blackie, that Santa Claus won't still be there. No, but all those street corner St. Nick's are working for the Welfare Society. Yeah, so? I'll call them, and they'll tell me where we can find the guy. You, you think Santa Claus still has the rings, huh? Yeah. If Martin hasn't found him by now and taken them back, in which case we'll find Santa Claus has been clipped. Who is it? Joe Martin, Clark. Come in. It's me. Never mind the introduction. Where are the rings? Well, keep two-ton Tony from the bed away from me. I got the rings right here. Well, where I want them is right here in my hand. Sure, sure. Here you are. Thanks. <laughs> Have any trouble with Santa Claus? Yeah, no, the plan worked great. Good. <laughs> You'll never even be able to tell anybody I was there. Well, I'll be a good little boy. I take you in to see Santa Claus Friday, and maybe he'll bring you a nice little promotion. Yeah. Look, he's an off-duty Santa Claus right now. I know. According to the Welfare Society, his name is Henry James. How many more flights are there? Only this is a fine way to spend Christmas Eve. Well, we may spend from now till New Year's working on a murder case, Faraday, if the welfare agency was right. Yeah. And another guy phoned for information about the same Santa Claus was before we did. I know. Oh, finally, here's the door. Yeah, if, he's, if he's in the kind of trouble you claim he is, he won't be in any condition to answer the door. Don't remind me. You and your theories. You had no right to think he's dead. I hope I'm wrong. But I'll guarantee if he's not dead, he's tied up or unconscious or... Both. Well, if you're so smart, you have that all figured out. You ought to be smart enough to know the only way we'll get in is to open the door ourselves. Brilliant deduction, Inspector. Yeah, and it's all mine. I'll try the door to see if it's locked. Blackie, how do you think up such wonderful ideas? Uh-oh. Somebody's opened it for us. 
sorry to keep you gentlemen waiting so long. I was taking a nap. Are you Henry James? Yes. The Santa Claus on the corner near that jewelry store that was robbed earlier this evening? Yes, yes, I am. Well, I'm Boston Blackie, and this is Inspector Faraday of the police. Oh, how do you do? How are you? I saw you catch the thief, Blackie. You did? Yeah. Won't you come in? Thank you. Uh, James. Yeah? Did you have a visitor a little while ago? A visitor? Yeah. Oh, I had no visitor. No one came here and held you up to get back the four stolen rings he tossed in your collection? Why, why no, Inspector Faraday. No one's been here. And my collection bucket's right here on the table. It's untouched. This collection bucket of yours hasn't been touched, James? Certainly not. Blackie, according to you, Joe Martin tossed the rings in the Santa Claus collection bucket. This is it. I know. According to you, Martin called the Welfare Society and found out where this particular Santa Claus lived. Somebody asked about Mr. James before I called. You don't say. But Mr. James says nobody's been here. Well, you ought to know. And you ought to know how ridiculous you are. Mm. I've looked through this collection bucket and there are no rings here. Nothing but coins. Santa Claus wasn't held up here. No rings were ever dropped in his bucket out on the street. Blackie, how wrong can a guy get? And now, back to Boston Blackie. Joe Martin steals four rings from a jewelry store. Just before he is caught by Boston Blackie, he runs down the street and tosses the rings into the collection box of a street corner Santa Claus. Later, at Santa's room, he apparently recovers the jewelry. But when Blackie and Inspector Faraday come to see Santa, Santa, whose real name is Henry James, insists that his collection box has not been touched. As we return to our story, Blackie continues his questioning of Santa Claus. Look, Mr. James. Yeah, Blaggy. Faraday has gone back to headquarters because he thinks I'm wrong. Maybe he's right. But I still say that Martin tossed those rings into your collection bucket. Believe me, Blaggy, the collection is right here. It's untouched. I was about to take it to the Welfare Society, and as I said before, no one's been here to see me. No one but you and the inspector. You're sure you're not playing Santa Claus to Joe Martin? Working with a thief? I should say not. I don't know why you should think so. Because when I called the Welfare Society to get your name and address, I was told there'd been another call inquiring about you just a half an hour before. Is that so? I think that was Joe Martin calling to find out where he could find you. Well, no Joe Martin came here, Blackie. In fact, nobody did. And you've been right here in your room ever since you came back to get out of your Santa Claus suit? Yeah, yeah, Blackie. Every minute, every... No, 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 wait, now, wait. I was out for just a minute on, on the telephone at the end of the hall. Who was on the phone and when was this? Oh, about, uh, about 20 minutes ago. It was a man at the Welfare Society asked me if I'd collected a lot of money tonight. Did the man say who he was? No, no, just that he was an officer of the Society. I, I wouldn't have known him if he had given his name. I worked for the Society only at Christmas time. That's it, then. While you were on the phone talking to Martin or some friend of his, either Martin or an accomplice slipped in here and got back those stolen rings. Isn't that possible? Well, yes, yes, it is. My, my back was to the hall while I was on the phone, and uh, the door to this room was partially open. And thanks to what you've just told me, Mr. James, this case is practically closed. <laughs> now, Mary! 
Mary, don't stuff me so so full of pillows that I can't stand up. Blackie, you want to look like a big, fat, jolly Santa Claus, don't you? (laughs) Yes, but not like an overstuffed chair. There. You're well padded and your coat's buttoned up. (laughs) Now, try on your beard and let's see how you look. Say, if I get clipped with this thing on my face, you might say my assailant is beating around the bush. Oh, Blackie. (laughs) Well, (laughs) how do I look? With your cap on, I'd never know you, and that would be all right with me. Well, uh, you think that uh, Joe Martin will know me? Oh, I don't think so. He doesn't know you as well as I do to begin with. I wish you wouldn't try this, though, Blackie. It's the only thing I can do, since Faraday wouldn't give me any help but Martin's address. Well, in a way, he can't be blamed for not offering you any help. This isn't a murder, Kent. And besides, you've been wrong all along. According to him, that is. Well. Well, uh, young lady, hand me that sack of phony presents, and uh, I'll put this case in the bag. Faraday, homicide. Hello, Inspector. This is Mary Wesley. All right, let's have it, Miss Wesley. Uh, have what? Blackie's newest theory on how to make me waste my time. Blackie's newest plan isn't going to waste any of your time, Inspector. In That's fact, new. you may not have enough time to get down there and help him. Get down where? Well, after you gave him that fellow Martin's address, he got dressed in a Santa Claus suit and went down there alone. What's he bothering Martin for? Well, we haven't he... got anything on him. Blackie is positive that Martin retrieved those stolen rings from Santa Claus's collection bucket. And I'm positive Blackie's positively out of his mind. Well, anyway, I think you ought to go over to Martin's right away. You know the way Blackie's little schemes sometimes get him into trouble. This time I hope he gets himself into plenty of trouble. Well, gee. Maybe it'll get him out of my hair. I got to hand it to you, Clark. That yeah. was a slick trick calling that Santa Claus at his house and keeping him on the phone while I sneaked in and got the rings out of his collection. Uh, it was just luck that it worked. <laughs> what would we have done, Martin, if he'd taken his collection right down from his corner to the Welfare Society? Yeah, that would have been just too bad, I guess. Yeah, too bad for you. Why? Well, because my boy Abby knows how to use a gun as well as his fist. Hey, look, you got the rings back, didn't you? Yeah, sure, over there on the table. I came to your room to be sure I got him back. Ah. But Abby's going to be my chief assistant from now on in charge of guys who make mistakes. Understand? Okay, I understand. But it's sure going to be tough working with a guy who can't speak English or understand it. I don't want him to be easy to work with. You can't talk to him. You can't get friendly with him. Trigger men shouldn't have friends. They can... Hey, wait a minute. Who's there? <laughs> Santa Claus! Get rid of him, Martin. Okay. Merry Christmas, son. Merry Christmas. Hey, fatso, beat it. The same Santa, Martin? No. Beat it, Mac. You got the wrong house. <laughs> oh, Merry Christmas, my boy. Can you spare him? Beat a... it, I said. Now, wait a minute, Martin. He's collecting for the poor. Let him come in a minute. Okay. Come on, Santa. Come on in. <laughs> Thank you. And a Merry Christmas. Uh... What do you want from us, Santa? Oh, anything you care to give. Just anything to help make it a Merry Christmas for the poor. Uh, like those four diamond rings on the table there. How about letting me give that beer to you as a touch? Hey, no. Hey, it's Boston Black. I thought it was some kind of gag. Watch out, he's going to swing that sack he's carrying. Oh. You'll have to swing it fast or not. Martin, you really flattened him. Now get him up on his feet. I've got a gun on him. Sure. Oh, come on, Blackie, get up. Uh, 
thanks. Hey, what are you going to do with him? You can't kill him here. I'm going to turn him over to Abby and let Abby take him for a little walk. Hey, Abby. This is pretty dangerous, Clark. Be a whole lot more dangerous if Blackie stays alive. Don't forget he's seen the rings and I'm wanted for murder out west and Blackie can describe me. I sure can. Hey, Abby. What's the matter with that big hulk? Sanya, Abby. Okay, Martin, he knows. Just what kind of language is that? Quiet, Blackie. All you have to know is that Abby's taking you for a walk with a gun in your back. Oh, that's pleasant. Abby Uka. Come on, Clark. Have Abby get this guy out of here. The cops may not be far behind him. We'd better wait until those carol singers outside go away. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, they won't suspect anything. I'll have Abby take them out right now. But what about those carol singers? They're just outside the house. I'll tell Abby to keep a gun on Blackie and shoot him if he opens his mouth. Hey, I got a better idea. Make Blackie sing and keep him singing. Then it'll seem like he's happy going down the street with Abby. Uh, good idea. Uh, I'm really not in good voice this evening, gentlemen. And you won't be in good condition when Abby gets through with you. Quiet, Martin. Hey, Abby. Sudaretsum, Blackie Lingo. Finistuda. Bang, bang. <laughs> bang, bang. Thank you, let's him All right, all right, go on, get going. Start singing, Blackie. I want to start singing. The command performance, huh? Oh, I didn't know you had such an appreciation for my talent. So long, Blackie. So long. So long. I said keep singing, Blackie. If you stop once more, Abby will shoot. I won't stop, then. So long. So long, sucker. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Give me help, I can't yelp, but I'm on a spot. Where we'll go, I don't know, but I know I'll be shot. Hey, what that when I passed, jump him fast. Oh, listen to my squawk. Hey, listen to those I have words. to sing this silly thing, because he'll kill me if I talk. Hey, I don't think that what guy's What you shit. speak to him is Greek. He doesn't know a thing. Come on, let's jump the guy. So Watch that's out for gummy. I Fuck just it. pass you by and let you hear me sing. All right, get him. Get him. Get him. Here, here, let me out, fellas. I can take care of myself now. Hey, nice punch, mister. <laughs> nice going yourself, fellas. For understanding those words I was singing. Okay, but at first we thought you were nuts. Hey, here comes a police car. Hey, Blackie, you all right? Well, Faraday, you decided to give me some help after yeah, all. Yeah. When Miss Wesley phoned me and said you were going through with your crazy plan, I thought I'd better get down here and keep you out of trouble. Who's the big guy on the sidewalk? The guy working for Martin and his buddy who was going to give me a one-way ride into the country. Oh, great. He's safe here. Let's go into the house and get Martin and his friend who wanted to go out west. Yeah, come on. Oh, look. There they go making a break for it. Yeah. Well, let's break up that break. Stop, you. Stop in the name of the law. They're trying to shoot their way out. This will stop him. Yeah, that made him stop. Come on, let's grab him. Watch out, Blackie. That guy's got a gun. You bet I have. You're not going to get a chance to use it, though, boy. I've got this one. Take care of the other one, Faraday. Don't tell me what to do. Okay. Okay, okay, lay off, copper. No more, Blackie, no more. Okay, Martin, no more. If you give me those rings. Clark's got them. Come on, you, Clark. Let's have them. Yeah. Okay, here they are. Here. One, two, three, four. 
They're all there, Parody. Good. And Martin, Clark, and their pal Abby are all yours. Wow. You take these guys back to my squad car, will you, Blackie? You're after this chase. I'm tired. Oh, great, old man. Yeah. I go all out to catch these guys, and you're the one who's all in. <laughs> Morning, Turkey. Uh, Inspector Faraday? Yeah, a little bit, Miss Worthing. Mm-hmm. And Blackie, how about you? Well, I'll have more of everything, Mary. <laughs> <laughs> if, if turkey were brain food, I'd say you had plenty of room for it, Blackie. No, Inspector, this is Christmas Day. You and Blackie promise not to fight. <laughs> Barry, he's still upset because the case we just worked on didn't involve a murder. <laughs> you, you talk as if I like murder, Blackie. You, you must do. like it, Inspector. The way you've murdered that turkey. Mm. Very droll. Mm, you mean very drool, don't you? <laughs> now she's telling me what I mean. This thing must be contagious. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Inspector, I'm glad the stolen rings case wasn't more complicated than it turned out to be. Yeah, I'm glad we got it solved before Christmas was over. <laughs> me too. Well, Inspector, men generally put a ring on a finger. But because Clark and Martin stole some rings, we put the finger on them. Hello, everybody. This is Dick Calmer. Every week after we finish one of our Boston Blackie shows, I indicate what I hope we'll be doing the following week. Uh-huh. Look, Black- now, just a second. This time, it's going to be a little different. Uh, Blackie, what's with you? What is going on here? Just a minute, Faraday, please. Mm-hmm. Friends, I said I'm not going to tell you what we will be doing next week. That's good. I'm going to tell you what we hope you will be doing. Very confusing. Isn't almost everything confusing to you, Inspector? Did... Uh, listen, everybody. What for? Now, patience, Faraday, patience. Next week, I hope you and everyone you know and love will be enjoying the best holiday season you ever had. Yeah, now... That the next year will be a great year for all of you. Could I say something, Blackie? You, Inspector, can say anything, and you probably will. All I say is, Merry Christmas to our listeners, Blackie. Merry Christmas to them all. Well, genius, how about one of your usual taglines? <laughs> Not this time, Faraday. Mm-hmm. All I say to everybody from Mary Wesley and all our cast is, until our next meetings... Season's greetings.
Stay tuned for Burns and Allen next on Theater of the Mind. George Burns and Gracie Allen are all set to entertain with a program that was first aired in 
It's a Nactor friend of mine. Though reduced to playing a reindeer, he insists upon full billing. Look, I don't want to have anything to do with this broken-down pageant. Uh, apparently, Mrs. Burns, we must seek elsewhere for a sucker, a Santa. Oh, I've got it. The perfect Santa Claus. Charles Lawton. Oh, stop. Well, he's already got a big bundle. <laughs> All he has to do is move it around to the back. Gracie, you'll never get a man like Charles Lawton to be in the silly pageant. I, hey, I... folks, am I interrupting anything? Not a thing, Bill. Well, friend Goodwin, I'm so happy to see you. Your arrival is most opportune. Will a half a buck be enough? <laughs> Don't be crude, my dear fella. I merely wish to proffer you the role of Santa Claus in our Christmas pageant. Oh, well, you're too late, Q-Ball. I'm taking Santa's place at the department store Toyland this week. Oh, really, Bill? Uh -huh. Oh, I'll bet it's fun giving the kiddies presents. Oh, it is, Gracie. You ought to see their little faces light up when they unwrap them and say, Ooh, look, Sandy gave me a great big bar of swine. <laughs> That's, uh, that's the present. Well, sure, George. Swan, the new white floating soap is a present for the whole family because it's four soaps in one. The soap for your hands and face, a wonderful soap for bathing the baby, and perfect for dishes and light laundry. Four swell soaps in one, a great wartime buy. Well, Bill, what if a little girl asks for a doll? Oh, uh, Bill has a special bar of swan that says mama when you break it in two. <laughs> well, the little girls like to climb up on my lap and have me tell them how to wash the dishes with swan. I tell them about those long-lasting swan suds, and I tell them that swan is so mild and gentle they don't have to worry about rough dishpanny hands. They like that, huh? Oh, sure. Fascinates them. Why, yesterday, a little girl named Nancy sat in my lap for a half hour. Well, is she big enough to wash the dishes? Well, I think so. <laughs> She's 22. <laughs> oh, well, if Bill won't be off Santa Claus, I'd better get in touch with Mr. Lawton right away. Oh, now, Gracie, surely you're not serious about this. Surely you wouldn't bother a great actor like Charles Lawton with the silly pageant. I know I can trust you. <laughs> Mama's little dreamer. Gracie, I want you to promise me that you won't ask him. Well... Go on, promise. All right, I promise. Good. Now behave yourself while I go down to the cigar store. Well, I'd better stop at Mr. Lawton's house. Well, Gracie, you just promised George. I promised I wouldn't ask Mr. Lawton to be Santa Claus. Yes? But I didn't promise I wouldn't ask his wife to ask him. Oh, oh, you're going to talk to Mrs. Lawton, Elsa well, Lanchester. Sure, sure. The way to a man's heart is through his wife. <laughs> I thought it was through his stomach. Well, in Mr. Lawton's case, there's a shorter way. <laughs> Delightful. She's such a wonderful hostess. Of course, the sandwiches were terribly small. True, and the cocktails were rather poisonous. And the flowers on the table were all droopy. Most of the guests were droopy, too. Yeah, and Maggie had on the same dress she's worn at the last three parties. The last four? But it really was a charming party. Oh, delightful. Well, I'd better get down to business, Elsa. Do you think Charles would like to play Santa Claus in a Christmas pageant? Santa Claus? Yes. It would be a nice change from his movie work. 
And I know how tiring that can be. What do you mean? Well, George and I saw him in a picture not long ago, and I remember saying, George, Charles must be working too hard. He doesn't look well. What picture was that? Uh, the Hunchback of Notre Dame. <laughs> yes, he did look a bit seedy in that one. But he'd look fine at Santa Claus. Why don't you have George play the part? Well, I asked him to, but he wouldn't do it. You mean he refused? Uh-huh. That's ridiculous. It's absurd. After all, he's only a husband. Well, doesn't Charles ever refuse? I should say not. He wouldn't dare. Gracie, does George wear the pants in your house? Well, not so much in the house, but always when he goes out. <laughs> Sure, sure. You've obviously let him get out of hand. Can't you control him at all? Well, George was pretty well under control the first few years we were married, but then my mother left. <laughs> but, Gracie, the wife must be boss. For example, Charles serves me breakfast in bed. Does George do that? Oh, no, no. He makes me come down to the table before he serves mine. <laughs> what about closing the windows and turning the heat on in the morning? Oh, well, I've been doing that recently. It's icy cold in the room when we wake up. Paul, the more reason why you should make George do it. Oh, I don't have the heart, Elsa. He lies there and looks at me so pathetically with those two big blue lips. <laughs> You're too soft, Gracie. Be like me. Keep Charles under your thumb. My. I lay down the law and he obeys it. Gee. I crack the whip and he jumps. Really? Absolutely. And to prove it, <laughs> I, I promise you that Charles will play Santa Claus because I'll order him to play it. Oh, you're sweet. So full of the real Christmas spirit. Come on, let's go up to the attic. There's a red flannel nightshirt there that I, that I made him stop wearing. It might do for part of the costume. Well, why did you make him stop wearing it? Oh, bad for my nerves. He looked exactly like a burning building. Well, while the girls were in the attic, Mr. Lawton came home. He just hung up his hat when there was a knock at the door. Oh, hello. Come on in, George. Oh, thanks, Charles. Thanks. Say, Charles, I'm looking for Gracie. Is she here? Why, George, how flattering. Uh, oh, I thought uh, maybe uh, I asked Gracie, uh, uh, I, I, I asked Gracie to tell you that she, uh, for you not to be in her Christmas fashion. I told her not to do it, but I thought maybe she did anyway. You meant she might have disobeyed you? Uh, sure. That's ridiculous. I mean, that's absurd. After all, she's only a wife. Well, <laughs> doesn't Elsa ever disobey you? I should say not. She wouldn't dare. You're too soft, George. You let Gracie run over you. Really? Certainly. You're the husband. You're entitled to be boss. Who brings the money in your family? Who earns the living? I say you, you, you are in rather an awkward spot, aren't you? <laughs> yes, I, I guess so. Believe me, I keep Elsa under my thumb. Why? I lay down the law and she obeys it. Gee. I crack the whip and she jumps. Really? Absolutely. Uh, you wear the pants around here, huh? I haven't had them off in 17 years. <laughs> Boy, uh, you you go out whenever you want to, huh? Out of question. Your wife doesn't complain when you have the boys over for poker? She wouldn't dare. <laughs> 
Well, how does she feel about smoking cigars in the living room? I'd never let her do it. <laughs> no, I... I mean, can you do it? I do as I please. And if Elsa so much as raises an eyebrow at me, I turn her across my knee and spank her. What was that, Charles? Oh, hello, darling. <laughs> I didn't know you were home. Evidently not. Gracie, give me that flannel nightshirt. Oh, here you are, Elsa. Charles, take this to your room and sew legs on it. You're going to be Santa Claus. <laughs> but, 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 uh, but, uh, Don't argue uh, with me, fat boy. <laughs> Go to your room. Yes, dear. Hmm. George Burns, you go and help him. But, Gracie... Don't argue with me, skinny boy. Yes, dear. Gee, this is fun. Popular young tenor Jimmy Cash with Felix Mills in the orchestra and an old favorite that's coming to the fore again, a ballad called Home. Jimmy? Evening ever brings to me dreams of days that used to be, memories of all I love. So you don't wear the pants in your family after all. No, George, I confess. I wear the girdle. <laughs> I can't believe it. A big guy like you afraid of your wife. It's a secret I've kept from the whole world. Why, outside of my home, everyone's afraid of me. Policemen tremble when I talk to them. Truck drivers get out of my way. Department store clerks actually wait on me. <laughs> but at home, you're a milk toast. Yes, it's terrible. I, I went to a psychoanalyst... What did he say? He said, talk back to your wife. Don't be afraid of her. He was a single man. <laughs> I guess that. 
But, Charles, why are you so afraid of Elsa? Does she beat you? Oh, of course not. That's just the point. She's sweet to me, and I love her. But I want to be boss, and she won't let me. <laughs> Say, I long to be the caveman type. I go to a Humphrey Bogart picture and just sit there and drool. <laughs> well, haven't you ever gotten up enough nerve to do anything about it? Well, once I did lose my temper, Elsa criticized my work. That got you, huh? Yeah, so I took off my apron, threw down my broom, and walked out of the house. <laughs> You're a tiger. You know... Come in. Oh, excuse me, Mr. Lawton. I was looking for Gracie. Oh, hello, George. Hello, Bill. Charles, this is Bill Goodwin. How do you do? Well, gee, Mr. Lawton, you don't have to stick your tongue out at me. <laughs> That's his lip. He's pouting. Oh. He's hand-packed. Ah, oh, go on. Not Charles Lawton. He's too tough. Why, well, I can still hear him saying, Mr. Christian, come here. Scrub my back with swan. <laughs> I don't recall that. <laughs> well, Charles, you must try it sometime. Swan's not only great for your bath or for bathing the baby, but it's just the soap for dishes and light laundry. Swan's the new white floating soap that's four swell soaps in one. Say, Bill, we're serious. Gracie saw Elsa dominate Charles, and now I'm henpecked, too. Well, what are you, George? A man or a mouse? Get tough with Gracie. Scare her. How? Tell her I'll leave her? No, don't bribe her. Scare her. <laughs> Listen, I'll tell you how both of you can scare your wife. How? Tell him, tell him you won't let him bathe the babies with Swan. What babies? Well, any babies. Oh. Swan's great for all of them. Doctors recommend it because it's pure as fine Castile's, and it's so mild it's kind even to a little baby's tender skin, which, incidentally, is a tip-off to the fact that it's swell for your hands and face, your complexion. Say, Charles, maybe we should try to scare our wives. You're right. If we're ever going to get the upper hand, now's our chance, while there's a shortage of men. <laughs> right. Now you're talking. Once and for all, end that myth about the better half. You, we will. There's no such thing as a better half. Both halves are equally good. Sure. So when you break swan and two, put half in the kitchen and half in the bathroom. So long, Bill. You, you can put your half in the bathroom for your tub or shower. Out, Bill. Or you can put it in the kitchen for the dishes or light laundry. George, let's go in there and pin their ears back. Okay. We'll show them who's boss. You said it. We'll scare the life out of them. I'll say we will. You go first. <laughs> well, we better go in together. You're right. United we stand. That's the stuff. Nothing can stop us. Now you're talking. We're husbands on the warpath. That's us. Let's have a drink first. <laughs> That's a good idea. One quick one to give us nerve. Yes, I'll cut some lemon and put on the teapot. <laughs> oh, never mind that. Let's go in and get, get this over with. Right you are. It's now or never. Sure. Our wives can't push us around. I'll say. Men are meant to be masters, not women. Right. Do you think we'd better arm ourselves? <laughs> oh, come on. We're not afraid of them. Remember Captain Blythe. Very well. Are you with me? Yes. Let's go. Good. Mrs. Lawton. Mrs. Bird. Yes, dear? Yes, dear. Sit down. Sit down. We are sitting. Then stand up. <laughs> stand up. Charles, what is the meaning Quiet. of Quiet. We have come to deliver an ultimatum. Yes. I mean, yes. <laughs> Henceforth, we will give the orders, not you. And to start with, we will not play Santa Claus. That's right. So you can take this Santa Claus suit and stuff it in the chimney. Yes. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. My goodness, what happened? 
Charles must have gotten into my vitamin capsules. <laughs> well, Elsa, if we let them get away with this, we're sunk. You're right. They might tell other husbands and organize. Yeah. And men are scarce now, even men like ours. <laughs> I don't know what to do. I've never seen Charles like this before. Oh, I could handle your husband, but I wouldn't know what to do with George. Oh, George is no problem. Yeah. Say, I have an idea. I'll handle your husband and you handle mine. It's a deal. Mr. Burns, may I see you alone for a moment? Why, of course, Elsa. Oh, and Mr. Lawton, I'd like to speak with you. What is it, Elsa? Sit down, George. I'll sit here at your feet. Well, if that's the way you like it, it's... <laughs> your feet have so much character, George. What size are they? Elevens. <laughs> the best size. There can be no nonsense about a man who has so much of him on the ground. <laughs> Look, if you're trying to flatter me into playing Santa Claus, oh, you... Oh, no, George. I admire you for refusing. You are so virile, so masterful. Well, Charles spoke up, too. Only because he had your strength to lean on. Really? You are strong, aren't you, George? Well, I'm not exactly a panty waist. <laughs> Modest boy. Flex your arm and let me feel your muscle. Okay. Grab hold. Go on. Flex it. It's flexed. <laughs> How nice to have smooth muscles that don't make lumps. <laughs> yeah. Your personality... And your gorgeous, resonant voice. And respect all by myself. Oh, you sing, too. Of course. Do you ever sing any lighter things, such as Christmas carols? Oh, sure. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Listen, George. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. <laughs> you actually seem to have bells that swing back and forth. Forth in your throat. Oh, it's a tonsils. <laughs> what a pity the world must be robbed of such beauty. Huh? If you played Santa Claus and made your entrance singing Jingle Bells, it would be the theatrical event of the century. Bigger than the Avon Comedy Four? <laughs> uh, I think so. Well, why discuss it? I admire the stand you've taken and you mustn't change it. Wait a minute. You can't tell me what to do. I can't? No. If I want to play Santa Claus, nobody can stop me. Oh, George, you're so strong. So terribly strong. Oh, jingle bells, jingle bells. <laughs> So, Mrs. Burns, if you have any notion of wheedling me into the part of Santa Claus in your moth-eaten pageant, forget it. I won't do it, and that's final. Then I may as well go? You may as well. All right. I won't bother you anymore. May I have a picture of you to take with me? You women seem to... Picture of me. <laughs> yes. And, and if it's not too much trouble, please sign it. To Gracie, from the greatest actor of all time. Oh, it's no trouble at all, my dear. Uh, do you really think I'm the greatest? Oh, certainly. I've seen lots of actors, but your head and shoulders and so on and so forth above them all. <laughs> oh, 
Very well. Here's your picture. But you didn't write from the greatest actor of all time. It's stamped on all my pictures. <laughs> oh, my, you're handsome. I can't understand those silly people who stand in line for hours to see a Errol Flynn movie. I wait until one of your pictures is playing, and then I go right in and pick out the best seat in the house. I had no idea you were such a devoted admirer. Oh, I'm not the only one. You know, I saw a revival of Henry VIII not so long ago, and when you played one scene, the whole audience was in tears. Ah, uh, the scene where I was a feeble, broken old man. No, the scene where you took a big bone with lots of meat on it and threw it to the dog. <laughs> one time, that was considered quite amusing. <laughs> love to hear you deliver lines, Mr. Larkin. Those rich, beautiful sounds come pouring out of you like wine out of a barrel. Um, uh, 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 thank you, I think. Oh. Mr. Larkin, I'll bet you could take just any old words and make them sound wonderful. Like, for instance, ho-dancer, ho-prancer. Doesn't Santa Claus say that to his reindeer? Yes. Try it. Ho dancer. Ho prancer. Joe, it does sound good, doesn't it? <laughs> of course it does. I'm, I'm not satisfied. I I see dancer as a more delicate deer than prancer. Or, how's this? Um, ho dancer. Ho prancer. Oh, oh you're cute. <laughs> no, 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 no. Now prancer needs to be polished. I see prancer as a frisky animal, always kicking up his heels, something like this. Ho dancer. performance should never be heard. But it shall be heard. I insist that it be heard. Oh, you're so masterful, child. I guess I'll have to give in. Well, Gracie, your problem is solved. George is in there, and he's agreed to play Santa Claus. What? Over my dead body? <laughs> <laughs> well, Gracie, it looks like you're going to have two Santa Clauses for your pageant. Well, yeah. Admission tickets will have to be brown ration stamps. <laughs> well, won't we be giving the audience the two biggest hams in the world? <laughs> Say, George, you know who our guest is next week? John Garfield. Oh, sure. Oh, that poor boy. He's always been throwing into prison. Oh, yes. They throw him into prison for $30,000 a week. Yes. <laughs> Say, do you think we can spring him in time for our show? I'll talk to his agent. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Thanks to our guests tonight, Elsa Lanchester and her husband, Charles Lawton, who appeared with the kind permission of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, producers of the Technicolor musical, Thousands Cheer. The makers of Swan, the new white floating soap, join George and Gracie in inviting you to tune in to your Columbia station again next week, same time, when we'll have as our guest, John Garfield. Remember, George Burns and Gracie Allen, CBS, next Tuesday night. And now till next Tuesday, this is Bill Goodwin saying, Well, I, Swan, how about you? And also adding, tomorrow night, don't miss the big radio treat of this year and every year. Lionel Barrymore 
as old Scrooge in Charles Dickens' immortal Yuletide story, A Christmas Carol. It'll be broadcast over most of these same stations at this same time tomorrow night. Get the whole family to listen to Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol, starring Lionel Barrymore, the only time this season that Mr. Barrymore will broadcast this great Christmas story. Good night, everyone. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Duffy's Tavern, followed by Mr. District Attorney. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.